I'm Kate Wheeler in studio with Christine Bentley, and you are listening to What She Said right here on 105.9 The Region. Thanks for tuning in. We're starting today's show talking to Vito Barbera and Alessia Magnotta, who are both involved with the first annual B1 Evo Ride for Lyme. That's on Sunday, July 29th. Now, it has three different courses that all start and end at Magnotta Winery in Vaughan, and proceeds from the event support the G. Magnotta Foundation for Vector born diseases. Now, um, Alessia's father died uh, of Lyme disease, and they've got some very interesting things going on with the University of Guelph. They're the first, uh, first Canadian research into Lyme disease in particular. Great. And we are kicking off a new segment called One-on-One Today, where we're really just going to go one-on-one with women who inspire us. Today, I will be talking to Lynn Poslins, the CEO and founder of Women's Brain Health Initiative. WBHI is in its sixth year now and has essentially gone global. This is something supported by women all over, like Martha Stewart and Arianna Huffington, to name a few. Mm -hmm. Now, do you remember what it was like in eighth grade? Yep. You do? Yep. Uh, Well, times have changed, and comedian Bo Burnham's debut feature film is all about that, set from the point of view of a girl in her final week of eighth grade and the life-changing events that occur. Our film critic Anne Brody sat down with Bo in Toronto, and we can't wait to take a listen to that. Was eighth grade bad for you? Well, it's an awkward age growing up. You know, I mean, you're... you're, if you you know you never feel like you're part of the in crowd and you never feel like uh you're good enough and you 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 know it's it's a it's just a very awkward age okay. and i saw the movie and and i thought it was pretty 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 right on you know it was not um photoshopped oh. anyway <laughs> okay musicologist eric alper is talking about nicknames for artists in on the record and Madison McGregor from the Disney and Family Channel show Backstage is going to tell us about the upcoming BU national campaign in partnership with Big Brothers and Big Sisters uh, which empowers girls when it comes to self-esteem, self-confidence and self-worth since we're talking about that yeah, in absolutely. terms of the movie. Now singing us out in our studio sessions we have musician David Bray who's going to tell us about looking at life with a new perspective after being diagnosed with cancer and he will perform Who Do You Turn To? Alive with Lorraine Reed. We're giving away free double passes to advanced screening, uh, screenings of Dog Days in Toronto, Vancouver, Winnipeg, Ottawa, Victoria, Halifax, Calgary, <laughs> and Edmonton next month, thanks to Elevation Pictures. Now, Dog Days is a hilarious and heartfelt ensemble comedy that follows the lives of multiple dog owners and their beloved fluffy pals around sunny L.A. Make sure you go to whatshesaidtalk.com and click on contests to enter. We also have tickets to give away to see the Orchard After Checkoff. That's at the Shaw Festival. Uh, you could make it a date night. We had playwright Serena Palmer on last weekend who told us all about it. And you can find that contest up on our social media pages at What She Said Talk. Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. To contact the show, go to whatshesaidtalk.com. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. This is 1059 The Region. What she said. She's powerful. 
Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Joining us now is Vito Barbera and Alessia Magnotta, who are here to tell us about the first annual B1 Evo Ride for Lime on Sunday, July 29th. Now, there's three different course lengths that all start and end at Magnotta Winery in Vaughan, and proceeds from the event support the G. Magnotta Foundation for Vector-Borne Diseases. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Now, Vita, we're going to start with you. You're the owner of B1 Gruppo? Gruppo. Gruppo. B1 Gruppo, which is a recreational cycling club based in Aurora as well as the GTA. And you're organizing this event. So what gave you the idea to start this? Well, it it all started off um, talking to uh, Marco Finolio, um, Rosanna's, uh, sorry, Alessia's. Rosanna's son-in-law and Alessia's uh, husband. Okay. We were talking about uh, maybe just starting a ride from the the winery just because they've got such a beautiful patio there. And uh, we thought we'd start a ride and end the ride uh, there and have some drinks and some pizza and and enjoy a a day. Wine and uh, pizza. Exactly. What yep. could go wrong? Excellent. Because <laughs> yeah, so, my husband is a very, uh, he's an avid uh, cyclist. cyclist. He's uh, now been part of Vito's club for a while now and he really enjoys it. And so I think, you know, they got together and kind of, you know, started with this, with this idea, idea so. for this ride and it's slowly snowballed into uh, into what we're doing uh, now uh, you know we thought why not uh, why not put it together make it a little bigger and right. uh, raise some funds for a good cause uh, yeah, you know. yeah. Now, so you you're and, and Magnata is sponsoring this but there's there's a reason your your father passed yes. away my uh, father from... battled Lyme disease for many years I would say almost 10 years prior to his passing in 2009, and he um, was misdiagnosed for almost four years. And the reason for that is that Lyme disease is a very um, misdiagnosed disease to have in Canada because it looks like many other degenerative diseases like ALS, MS, Parkinson's, it, it, it masks itself into many other diseases. So it's really hard to diagnose if you don't have the proper testing, and that's why we have established this foundation, our foundation, um, to help others because we suffered and and we, we we saw the debilitating, terrible things that Lyme disease can 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 bring to someone, and we don't want anybody else to suffer because it's it's something that can be treated with inexpensive antibiotics if caught in, in advance. But if you don't catch it, it get becomes chronic, and 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 it can, you get co-infections and you know gets it's smart this organism is smart it 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 it, it, it literally hides and in deep into your tissues so we need to we need to uh, get uh, proper testing um available for Canadians and that's what we're trying to do with our foundation and that's why we've now established the G Magnata uh, research lab in at the University of Guelph so we're very proud to to say that do you think doctors are any more educated about it? Because it was not something that I ever heard about. In so Lyme disease has right. been around forever and ever. Back I to know. the Ice Age. You I know. know. You know the ice hand or the cave uh, yeah. that they found. He had Lyme, Lyme disease? Borrelia, <laughs> Borrelia burgdorferi. I don't know if I'm saying it correctly. The, the, or, the, the bacteria has been around forever. You know, in Canada, because it's a, it's a political, controversial uh, Disease. Why? Uh, hang why? on a second. Why is it political and controversial? Well, there's. I won't get into that because we'll literally have you have, you have to sit with me for like two hours. But the idea is that because we have testing, we have testing here. But the testing here is faulty because it tests for one strain. There's so many strains that we know that we have here, mm-hmm. but one 
strain is the only one that it actually tests for. So if you go and get tested for Lyme and it comes back negative, you think you don't have Lyme. But real, in reality, that is not the case because there's so many people that get misdiagnosed, get, get, they get through the system, they, oh, they don't have Lyme and they think they have something else and then they're being treated for something that they don't have and they get worse and worse. And like my father, you know, we didn't figure it out until four years later and we went to out of the country to get that done, to have it, that testing, uh, you know. Um. So given that once you identify it, the cure is not that difficult. No, no. I'm assuming that what you're, the research that you're doing yes. in, in Guelph is testing? Yes. So, so, what we're, so our foundation will be Canada's first translational research lab for Lyme disease and developing effective it's, tests. We will right? be doing human tissue research. So that's like the first in the world uh, for Lyme disease. Uh, we're not only going to be studying the uh, organism, um, we're actually going to be the relationship between human tissue and this organism. There's been a lot of, you know, we're working with other partners across Canada mm -hmm. where we're going to be able to, um, you know, attack, um, you know, and understand this this organism from all sides. So we're going to have the human tissue, the animal testing, the organism itself. We're going to have all different, you know, um, in, uh, information and research that we're going to be able to really understand this 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 organism and how it how it affects us humans. So you say you went out of the country to get yes, tested. We did. Uh, so, it, so was it too late? Well, with my father, because it became chronic, in, in, in essence, it was too late in the sense um, his body was so debilitated. Um, you know, he technically was cured in, in the end, in August of 2000. But he died from the, from the effects. But you have to understand that his body had been through so much, you know, um, you know antibiotics. He had lots of, you know, high doses of, of, of antibiotics for many years. And he, you have to understand, they had so many other co-infections too. So he yeah. was tested out in the states, and then we went to Germany, and you know, um, you know, we were we technically cured the disease, but he was, you know, so um, debilitated from from all the effects of it over the years. I mean, it'd been almost ten years since he was suffering from it. So that's why a lot of these Canadians are 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 suffering and 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 really shouldn't be dying. Like you, this is a, a disease that we should be able to, you know, catch and treat. And you know, and and monitor. Well, kudos to your to your family, especially your mother Ros mm. Rosanna, for um, mm. you know starting the foundation and Jeez. and the uh, the university, uh, a one point four million dollar grant yeah. um, to get this really... get this done. And this is phenomenal. But we need to tell people how they can get involved and how they can help. Now, Vito, it starts. 8 a.m. sharp, Sunday, July 29th. What happens? Three courses? How long are they? Yes, 8 a.m. sharp. The ride actually starts. Uh, probably uh, people arriving around 7.30. We have uh, three courses, a 55K, an 87K, and a 100K course, different courses. Um, pick your course. Uh, well marked. Uh, it's going to be a fun day. Yeah. Hope uh, to have as many people come out as possible. Okay, and... and uh, Gourmet pizza, courtesy of yeah, Pizzaville, Pizza and you're providing some wine. Yeah. Yes, we'll be sampling. Some um, new yeah, wines you have as a well. new venture series yes, of EQA wines. Yep. That's awesome. And so, how do people register to, to race? To register to ride and race, uh, you go to actually my website, uh, www.b1grupo.com. Uh, B1 G R U P P O. 
dot com. Dot com, and uh, you'll see it all there. You yep. just uh, register right online there. And B one is B and the number one. Exactly. And B. Then you, yeah, and, and then you one. and then you can also go through the magnata website and get it. The, and then click on the events page, and it'll actually link up to to, to Vito's to page. Vito's page. And, yeah. And my, yeah. So at magnata.com as well. Well, okay. So I'm sure people are out there wondering. I mean, I know I, know mm-hmm. I am. I just want to go back to your father for a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, you said that it was misdiagnosed, and we yeah. understand all that. But what are the symptoms? What, so it, what there's a lot of him? symptoms. You get arthritic pain. You can get neurological balance issues, eye issues. Um, my dad had all those more neurological, so that's why they thought, you know, oh, he's got ALS, he's got MS, yeah, all these all other degenerative diseases. Mm-hmm. But in fact, he didn't. You know, he's an outdoorsman. You know, if you're outside, you're cycling, you're, you're, you're playing soccer, you're outside with your kids, you're gardening. Um, I mean, we go outside. I mean, it's very, you can go for walks. If you're walking on trails, you should be protecting yourself, um, you know, with, you know, should be spraying yourself, you should be wearing long pants if you're, if you're a hunter. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was an outdoorsman, so, you know, he was outside. So he was, a, he, you know, being bit by a tick is not very, very uh, uncommon. You know, where wherever a bird can fly, there are ticks. So your backyard, anywhere. Anywhere. And okay. where in the world now would somebody who thought they might have it, because you're just starting this, mm-hmm. um, go to test? Are other so countries other able countries to are, test? Yeah, yeah, other countries are quite advanced. I mean, Germany, Italy... Uh, the states and certain parts of the states, it's kind of like, you know, there's like a kind of a separation there as well. Um, but uh, Canada, we, you know, we need, to, we're going to get there. And that's why this found this, this lab and our foundation, the more money we get, we got the government where there's a two prong approach. We've got the lab. Now we're doing the research. We're going to have the testing. We're going to have phenomenal testing when, when we, when we get to the end of this. And then we're also going to, the last thing is, patient care facilities we're working with the provincial government to work on you know treatment awesome. because right now nobody knows you don't know where to go right Absolutely. now there's nowhere to go uh, well and you want to find out more again sunday july 29th 8 a.m sharp start time for the first annual b1 evo ride for lime three courses 55k to 100k starts and ends at magnata winery you can go on to magnata.com Find a link there, or you can go directly to Vito's website, which is b1grupo.com. That's right. Thanks for coming in. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good to grow high interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half calf, half sweet, no foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian. Expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem.
Terms and conditions apply. Passion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Joining us now is the CEO and founder of Women's Brain Health Initiative, our friend Lynn Poslins. Welcome back to What She Said. Great to be here, Christine. Now, WBHI is now in its sixth year and has essentially gone global. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, This is something supported by women all over, women like Martha Stewart, Arianna Huffington, to name a few. Tell us and people who may not know what Women's Brain Health Initiative, or WBHI, is. It's a Canadian and U.S. charitable foundation that I founded in 2012, and it is solely dedicated to protecting the brain health of women. We do this two ways, by funding research that better meets the needs of women. Most of the research historically has been focused on male brains, and as a woman, that didn't sit well with me. Um, So we wanted to make sure we leveled that research playing field by funding the female side of the story. And we also want to educate people, particularly women, about what they can do to protect their cognitive vitality as they age. So two mandates, research and education, to protect the brain health of women. Well, uh, this is something that had not really been done in that context before, and we're going to get to more of that in a moment. But first, for people who don't know, you're a woman who could essentially just lunch and shop. <laughs> you, you've worked harder and smarter than most since you were a young girl in a time when not all women were encouraged to do so. Tell us about your background and why you think you are who you are today. Definitely my parents were influential in the decisions that uh, both my sister and myself, as well as my brother, made. Um, But I was, I guess, encouraged from a very young age to get highly educated, you know, got my Bachelor of Commerce, got my uh, Master's of Business Administration, so got the degrees, um, encouraged me to go and create a career for myself that was going to be rewarding, not just financially, but um, uh, on many levels. And um, I did pursue a career path in uh, fashion retail and uh, always did uh, philanthropic work on the side. Again, very uh, important value system for our family. Um, and I was encouraged to pursue, again, there's many different areas that one can uh, spend their time and their energy and uh, donate to. Um, healthcare seemed to be something that I gravitated towards. And when I found out, again, about the disparity for women in terms of brain aging diseases being more susceptible, but research, again, focused on, on men, that was a philanthropic cause I thought I could get behind and do something about. So was this something talked about around the dinner table? Absolutely. Both uh, business, business as well as what philanthropic endeavors any of us uh, as kids were interested in. So pursuing. you knew that you were expected to stand on your own two feet, mm-hmm. despite a family that could 
that was there to support you. Absolutely. I've always uh, worked and encouraged my kids the same thing, you know, that they have to work. They never had a summer off. They either went to camp or Or they they had had to work. Like they had to be involved in something. And all of them have been encouraged also to give back to the community in whatever area interested them. I don't think people looking at you... um, we should perhaps mention you come from the Dilex dynasty. So at a very young age, uh, 30, 31, you were you were uh, president. Of you were president Fairweather. of Fairweather. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a tough job. It was a tough job. Well, retail is, fashion is yes. uh, as well, but also because uh, many of my family members were involved in the business, I was always told you have to work smarter, harder, and better to prove that you have a right to be where you are, not just because, you know, of the familial relationship. Right. Uh, and, and that kind of a job requires sacrifice. Um, and people always think, oh, well, if I have money, and if I, you know, if I were to win a lottery, or if I, uh, life would be so easy, but you had to hop on a plane <laughs> and leave young children, you have three kids, yeah. Um, and go away and leave them. That could not have been. E- that's never easy. No, but you it feel could guilty. not have been easy for you. <laughs> you feel guilty. You feel guilty when you're not at home, and you feel gu- you know, and you also feel guilty when you're home and you're not at work. So again, um, I felt, and I do feel that I have it all. I just didn't have it all necessarily at the same moment. <laughs> so you can obviously relate to many, many women. Absolutely. Um, Despite a life that many might call privileged, you have a ferocious work ethic. I know you. <laughs> and an even stronger philanthropic streak. So is this a family affair? This is something that was passed on, what, from your grandfather to your father to you to your kids? Absolutely. Um, all of us have been encouraged. Um, every generation has been encouraged to follow our, our philanthropic passion, as I've said. Um, Where my, does that come uh-huh. from? Um, it's a the value system. Back. It's a value system. You know, um, what were you told as a child? That there are people that are less privileged, people that are in need, and you have the capacity not just to give money, but to give your time and your energy. Um, and that's been important for me, particularly. I, although I've had a career all my life, the charity that I'm now involved with takes all of my time and energy, apart from my family, obviously, which is still important. Um, but I love doing it because I think... I do believe I am making a difference, and that encourages me to do more. Yeah. And what about your kids? They're, they're adults now. Yeah, they're young adults. Um, so uh, one of my kids is very involved in AIDS funding. Uh, mm-hmm. He does the bike ride from Toronto to Montreal every summer and raises money against that. Uh, my middle son uh, does has done a lot when he was at Western University, raising funds for their music program. And uh, my youngest son um, has uh, raised money and put together a golf tournament for uh, Maccabi to, uh, for their hockey team to go to Israel and compete in the Maccabi Games. That's amazing. And you must have a very supportive husband. Absolutely supportive husband (laughs) and supportive siblings. Um, They're all involved in their own philanthropic work, but we support each other. We work together also. To have covered the territory that you have covered, and we're going to get to that in a moment with the amazing things that this organization through you have done. Leadership plays a key, if not crucial, role. Who taught or encouraged you to grab that rein? It's one thing to work hard. It's another thing to give back. But to be a leader. 
Well, again, I guess I was always um, given the opportunity to to lead, and it's something that I gravitated toward. Um, again, encouraged by my parents, uh, my father in particular, um, who always was a great listener, and always believed that you could get the most out of people if you encourage them to be to be and give their best. Um, and I like to communicate a story, and I think if you are open and honest with how you feel, um, you can lead other people and inspire other people to, to, to join the ranks and be part of the movement. For anyone who's just tuning in, you are listening to What She Said on 105.9 The Region, and we have the privilege of speaking to Lynn Poslins, the CEO and founder of Women's Brain Health Initiative. And we are now going to talk about more about uh, Brain Health Initiative because this the fifth year anniversary has passed. Before we get to what the territory you've covered, mm-hmm. let's go back to the beginning. When was your aha moment where you said, this is what I was born to do? I was doing fundraising for Baycrest Center here in Toronto, which is a brain health sciences center, and it's attached to the Rotman Research Institute. And I was literally asked to start a women's campaign. And when I discovered, again, that almost 70% of Alzheimer's sufferers were women, women suffer from depression, from uh, anxiety, stress, um, and Alzheimer's twice as much as men. But the research was focused on men. In fact, at the grassroots level of research where they study the lab rat behavior, it's the male rat that's studied because the hormones in the female rat make us too complex. I also understand we're quite aggressive when we're caged. <laughs> so so that didn't rest well with me. And I felt that that was, being a marketer uh, by training, I felt that that was something I could market against. And if women understood they were more susceptible, but the research was focused on men, that that would, again, not sit well with not just me, but most women. Um, and, and I could raise money to, again, level that research playing field by studying, studying, making sure the scientists studied the female side. Was this a fairness issue for you? Absolutely, it was a fairness issue. As you mentioned, I have three boys, and I figured they weren't going to be looking after me as I got older. So this was also a bit selfish because... More and more, I was walking into the room and forgetting why I had entered the room or that my glasses were on top of my head or I I forgot why or where my car was in the parking lot. So as I was getting older, I recognized that, you know, with 70% of Alzheimer's sufferers being women, I could in fact become one of those statistics. But if research was not focused on me, then that was particularly frightening. I understand you also saw a 60-minute special on... Uh, Ambien just after that. And that kind of said, yep, I'm on the right path. Right. Because in that case, they were showing how um, uh, drugs um, affect women different than men. And in that instance, that sleep drug, Ambien, um, was being synthesized differently in a woman's liver than a man's. And it was staying in her system longer. So there were more car accidents with women drivers early in the morning that had been taking uh, Ambien the night before. And the FDA finally halved the dosage of the drug uh, for women. Um, and, and that started a whole conversation around, well, what else affects women differently than men? Well, we've learned that uh, it's lifestyle more than genetic predisposition. Correct. Um, so that's one of the things we've learned. What else have you learned? So as you said, um, Bullet points. Bullet point. Okay, so there are six lifestyle, modifiable lifestyle choices that everyone can make 
that can help reduce the risk of getting Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. Alzheimer's is the biggest cause of dementia. So the six in a nutshell, if you want to know the the keys to keeping yourself cognitively vital as long as possible, um, mental stimulation, uh, you have to exercise your brain like it's a muscle, Um, nutrition, what you eat definitely impacts your cognitive health. Exercise increases the oxygen flow to the brain, very important. Um, uh, Social engagement, staying socially connected. And this doesn't mean how many followers or likes you have on Instagram um, or Facebook. It's one-on-one engagement Mm -hmm. with with friends and family. Um, Stress reduction, Mm -hmm. uh, chronic levels of stress um, causes damage to the brain. So again, whatever it takes to reduce your stress level, it may be meditation, it may be going shopping until you get the bill, Um, (laughs) massage, whatever keeps your stress in check. And sleep also is proven to be very important for cognitive health, um, helps remove toxins in the brain and helps consolidate memories. I know that you are a workhorse. You put your head down, you work, and then we are now almost, well, at least five plus years later, And you raise your head and what, when you look back and realize what you've accomplished, um, tell us what you're proudest of. Well, we've definitely uh, moved the research needle. And by that I mean, when we started, again, very little research was focused on women in terms of brain aging. Excuse me. (coughs) Today, because of our advocacy work, Scientists in the neurospace that want to get funding from the Canadian Institutes of Health Research, for instance, the CIHR, that's Canada's biggest research funding body, Mm -hmm. they have to defend why they're not looking at it by sex and gender. That's huge. In order to get funded, if you have to say, I am not considering both male and female in, in um, in the study, you may not get funded. Now, that didn't happen six years ago. We have also funded the first research chair in women's brain health and aging, which was awarded to Dr. Jillian Einstein at mm-hmm. the University of Toronto. And who wouldn't want an Einstein looking after the <laughs> no, brain exactly, health, I might add. Exactly. Um, we also are co-funding, um, a, alongside the Canadian government, a, a series of studies. It's called the CCNA, the Canadian Consortium of Neurodegeneration and Aging. And it looks at everything from setting the cells to care at the bedside. And because of our funding, they're now looking at that research by sex and gender, again, for the first time in Canada. So we know we've moved the needle forward in terms of understanding why women are more susceptible to brain aging diseases than men. Now, it takes a while to get the results of those studies, but if they don't look at it, they're not going to find the answers. And on the education side, we've done a lot in terms of helping people understand their risk and what they can do to protect themselves. Because as you mentioned, 35% of all cases of dementia can be avoided through lifestyle. So we do try and encourage people to understand those risks so that they can stay you know, cognitively alert as long as possible. Well, you want your body and your brain to go at the same time. Well, I know you're never going to give up. I, is the word retirement even in your vocabulary? No. <laughs> no, because I, I thrive on, on work. That, that is exciting to me. That's what motivates me. That's what gets me up in the morning. So, big picture, where and how far are you going? With the charity? Yes. <laughs> um, we would like to see a number of research chairs globally uh, working to together collaboratively to find better answers for women Um, and who knows maybe one day we'll actually have a whole research center devoted to women's brain health 
Lynn Poslins, you are truly amazing. The other thing that I think we should mention here is that I learned from you for the first time that what young women do can have an effect on how quickly or e- if they even get the disease. That is, young women in their 20s. I don't know how how young. We yes. never knew that. Yes. That's because by the time symptoms occur, the damage has actually happened 20 to 25 years prior. So it's really when you're asymptomatic that it, yeah. the disease process has already begun. So the best chances you have of not going the route that many baby boomers seem destined to go, of course, is to start engaging in these uh, risk reduction strategies, these modifiable lifestyle choices um, that you can uh, control so that you have the best chances of protecting your cognitive health as you age. I think it's too late for me. <laughs> well, ne- never too late. <laughs> never, never too, too late. late. <laughs> Always good to uh, to do the right thing. But um, look, all your body parts are related. The healthier the heart, the healthier the brain. Um, and like I said, you want your body and your brain to go at the same time. You are truly an amazing woman. I've learned so much from you. And I think that so many women uh, will one day say they have a huge debt of gratitude. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Christine. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Do you remember what it was like in eighth grade? Well, times have changed, and comedian Bo Burnham's debut feature film is all about that set from the point of view of a girl in her final week of eighth grade and the life-changing events that occur. Our film critic, Ann Brody, sat down with Bo in Toronto. Take a listen. Bo, I was really pleased to see you had pre-net, pre-crazy music, like Enya. Mm, And I thought that might have been a tribute to past days. I don't know. For me, Enya sounded like the future. I don't know. Like I, I feel like Enya had a, knew what 2018 was going to sound like in the 80s. Like I, for me, it's like she just had something going on that was like. I also wanted to incorporate even in the score, just like, our, and our composer Anna Meredith does a lot of this, like, uh, acoustic music that sounds electronic, and that's what Enya does really well. It's like it's all like harps and staccato strings, but it sounds like a computer. I'm telling you, it was such a break from a lot of films. Mm. The score, it was just, it was moving and different, and as you say, sort of analog-y. Yeah, yeah. And uh, moving. Yeah, it's cool. warm. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, right. warm, yeah. So how did you write something about, in for which you had to get inside a 13-year-old girl's mind? You know, just, just subjugated myself to it and knew that, you know, 13-year-olds are posting about themselves online, so just learn about it and... and trust the thing you feel within you that is drawing you to this, that feels like you have in common with her, and, and, and then be humble about everything you don't know and defer to the research and actually, on the day, defer to the kids around you because you're going to be making this with a 13-year-old girl. Um, so that's, that's all it was. Um, I didn't set out to make a story about a 13-year-old girl. I set out to just talk about what I was feeling at the time. Um, about myself and about the world and about living. And then, you know. How did... 
the way you feel about yourself relate to this? I felt anxious. I feel like, it, you know, when she feels anxious and I, 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 um, I felt like I was in my own head and she felt like she was in her own head. Um, and I had tried to explore, I had explored these feelings through myself for so long. I wanted to do it through someone else. And That is so interesting. Um, it being someone young was helpful and it being a girl forced me to not project my past experience onto her. So, which is, uh, I didn't want to do. You know, I didn't want to be nostalgic. I didn't want it to be... Because I can feel movies when they're about young people where it's like, oh, this is just the memory of the director or the writer, which can be cool. I mean, it actually, it's like, can be great. But I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be visceral and now. Oh, it was so visceral. And, uh, you know, her mind is in tumult so much of the time. Mm. I mean, she's she's submissive to and wants the approval of these women who don't like her. Mm. She's so dismissive and mean to her to her father who yeah. who stands behind her and loves her. Mm. I mean that's adolescence. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's part of the job of a parent just to be a punching bag, you know. Like they can't she can't get her frustration out anywhere else. She wants to be able to yell at everyone at school, but she can't cuz she's too scared. Let her yell at you. This is something I don't get. I mean, do you remember the series Kate and Alley? Mm -hmm. sitcom in the 80s. This is mm -hmm. when the, the whole tide turned in terms of parental um, sort of guidance and strictness. And the children took over and the children looked after the parents and the children set the emotional tone of the home and gave permission to do things. Everything seemed to turn upside down. Yeah, parents want to be friends, yeah. Parents want to be friends. And he's, he's not a good friend. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's kind of a little bit weak. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder. I don't, I don't know. I mean... But I think that's a cultural change. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 yeah, it's, 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 baby, it's baby boomer Gen X, definitely. Baby boomer. But, like, are we thrilled with the emotional lives of baby boomers? Like, no. Like, I, like the experiment of strict disciplinary parents ran, and then, like, they all, like, broke down. In th an entire generation broke down in therapy for $500 an hour. You know what I mean? So it's like, that didn't work. You know what I mean? So it's like... I don't know. We just keep trying. It's like, oh, that didn't work. Well, maybe this. Okay, we overcorrected. All right, maybe a little more that. Like, uh, but I think that's what is also very authentic about it. Mm. It it looks at people's foibles and they're human. I think that. I think that society used to be so structured that the only that 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 the only way. To, the only place to rebel was against your parents, but now society and there's there's so many other places to rebel that I think parents just want to be there with their kids, uh, you know? Because if, if like if if the parents are strict and then they go to the, they have their phone and they have it's just going to be a mess. I just think it's going to be a mess. I think they're going to like. They know they're already lost in a way they weren't generations ago. They're already so far away from you that they're kind of having like. An artificial generations ago, an yeah. artificial so social setup. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't, I don't know. I... Or they're just scared. They're just like, they're, uh, they're just everyone's just reacting to their parents, right? And being like, I'm not going to be like my parents. And then I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this generation grows up to be disciplinary, in, be more disciplined. You know what I mean? Because they're like, oh, my parents were so weak, and I turned out weak. Yeah. So wow, fascinating. Thank you so much, Bo. Appreciate it. That's great. Connect with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler at WhatSheSaidTalk.com.
Welcome back to What She Said. Now, as hard as it is for some people to make a nickname happen for themselves, for others, like our next guest, that Eric Alper, it (laughs) just somehow catches on. (laughs) That's right. My nickname is that. (laughs) That. (laughs) (laughs) My nickname is, I don't even know if that's an adjective or a Uh, noun. Did, Did you have a nickname? Um, I, well, we, we were talking about <laughs> this you in can the intro. Say on air? Yeah. Um, my daughter started calling me Mamouk when she was little. Mamouk. What Mamouk. is that? It's, I think, instead of mum. It was Indiana. Mamouk. Right. Mamouk Badouk. And, what, it, and what about you? Chatty. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. I wonder why. Yeah. I have no, no idea. No idea. Um, well, tonight in On the Record, brought to you by Roar Records, we're going to talk nicknames for artists. Absolutely. You know, everybody knows Bruce Springsteen and a lot of people know that he is known as the boss, not only because he's a leader of the E Street Band, but that nickname stuck because while he was playing in a group called Earth in the late 1960s, he was the guy that used to collect money on behalf of the band from the bar owners every night. So when somebody said, hey, who do we pay? The drummer would go, pay the boss. And then point to Springsteen. And that's how he got the name, which is kind of ironic because for a guy that's known as the boss, he speaks for the working class people. In fact, uh, Barack Obama, during the 2008 presidential campaign, when Bruce was presented with the Candy Center Award in 2009, Obama said, I'm the president, but he's the boss. Uh I keep a close watch on this heart of mine. I keep my eyes wide open all the time I keep the ends out for the tie that binds Because you're mine, I walk the line of being working class, Johnny Cash is known as, of course, the man in black, and partly because of his doom and gloom songs about regular people, that he speaks for the people, so he's the man in black. But in truth, it turns out that Johnny Cash and his backup band, the Tennessee Three, always wore black because it was the cheapest forms of clothes when they were still starting out and struggling. So they found that black clothing was a little bit more cheaper than white clothing or jeans. So they decided to, to all wear black. And, and it keeps them clean. <laughs> so they don't have to use dry bills as a form of expenses. So that is really why he's called the man in black. It turns out that it's not about the doom and gloom music, but it's about being money conscious. <laughs> Kaba is known as Mama Africa, and for very good reason, or Mamouk. <laughs> they should call her Mamouk Africa. Um, she's known for that for very good reasons. She is, of course, is a South African singer. She's an actress. She is a United Nations goodwill ambassador and a civil rights activist. When she was alive, she was a leader in the Afro-pop movement. She was one of the first people to bring jazz music to Africa and, of course, world music back to people in North America and the UK. She spoke out against apartheid when it was uncool to do that, and she really popularized world music to the masses and of course that's her biggest song Pada Pada from 1967 and that is why she's known as Mama Africa You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain Too much love drives a man insane You broke my will But what a thrill Good 
I've worked with that have actually scared the bejesus out of me and Jerry Lee Lewis was absolutely one of them I went to go see a show in Nashville that was honoring his 50 years in the music industry and he had very big large bodyguards with guns in their pocket and I had no idea if that was to protect the audience from Jerry or Jerry from the audience <laughs> Jerry Lee Lewis is of course known as the killer and the reason why isn't so much of his rebellious rock and roll attitude it was because where he grew up Calling everybody killer in North Louisiana, where he grew up, was commonplace. So instead of saying, hey, buddy, or hey, man, people would call themselves, hey, killer, and the killer name stuck with him. So it's one of those terms of endearment that you think means something, but really it came from just your average everyday occurrence in life. If you want to get down, down on the ground, go pay. blessed with one nickname Eric Clapton is so good he has two nicknames one of them is God which comes from a a vandalized um, building where somebody had spray painted Clapton is God on the side of a building somebody took a photograph of it and spread it through the media at the time back in the late 60s and that nickname stuck he's also known as slow hand because he would break so many guitar strings during his show and there would be this awkward silence in between songs while he was setting up to uh, setting up his strings for the next song. So in the audiences, people would just go like this. They would just clap Slow because they were bored and they had nothing to do. <laughs> so that led to the nickname Slow Hand, which is a slow clap. And of course, clap being Eric Clapton. And that ah. nickname stuck. Thanks, that. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's Good to Grow High Interest Savings Account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. <sighs> Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. Yay! And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. This is 105.9 The Region. What she Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Well, imagine a society where girls grow up with endless self-confidence, self-esteem and pride in celebrating their diversity. Well, joining us now is Madison McGregor from the Family Channel and Disney show Backstage, who is involved with the BU National Campaign in partnership with Big Brothers and Big Sisters in a very special way. Welcome to What She Said. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So along with two of your castmates, you recorded a video that will be online and screened across all Morgard malls and BU events, yeah. all 
all over Canada in September. Tell us about the concept of the campaign and the video. So the concept of the campaign is really to encourage girls to be all of who they are and to be themselves. And for girls typically around the age of nine, our self-esteem and confidence and self-worth tends to plummet. And so what this campaign is trying to do is it's trying to really grab those girls' attention at that young age Mm -hmm. and help give them role models, tools uh, for self-esteem and help build their confidence. I know growing up, like, I really wish that this was around when I was younger. And I think it's just wonderful what they're doing with this campaign. So so what we're really doing with this video is showing girls what's possible, showing that they can be beautiful and confident and have self-worth and giving them those kinds of tools and role models to look up to. Well, according to the girls' report out of McCreary Center Society, 50% of all girls say they wish they were someone else. Does yeah. that... Oh, my God. How does that make you feel to hear that? Were you one of those girls? Absolutely. I was. Yep. Yeah, I was. Maybe not as young as nine, (laughs) but a little older. Yeah, I I can definitely like I (laughs) I can definitely say that I did feel that way, and especially with the challenges we face as women. Like I know that when I my body started to change as a young girl, uh, around. 13, 14 years old, that's when I started to really feel like I wanted to be somebody else. And I didn't really feel as confident with myself because my body was changing and I wasn't really sure of who I was anymore. But but look at you, along with acting, you're, you're a speaker, you're a yeah. fundraiser for cystic fibrosis, a condition that you were born with. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's it's, uh, looking at you now, it's so difficult to understand that you had self-esteem or self-confidence or even self-worth issues. Yeah. What helped you overcome that? Well, def- I had a friend uh, called Erica Heller Cornell. She ha- was about 20 years older than me, but she was my best friend. And she took us on Maddie Erica days, and she was diagnosed with colon cancer when I was very young, and she was very young. She was about 25, and I was about five years old. And she was a role model for me. I was being bullied in school and she saw in me what I didn't see in myself at the time. And she told me, you know, she always left people with the message, I believe you're amazing because you're such a good sister or because you're such a great dancer or because you really make the effort to be there for your friends. And she, when I was being bullied in school or I didn't feel good about myself or I'd share those those insecurities with her, she had a different perspective for me. Well, Kate was saying she couldn't believe you you had feelings of, of or not great feelings of self-worth and I'm looking at you and I can't believe anybody would bully you so it's, it's, it's amazing how almost everybody remembers there is yeah. nobody I know who does hmm. not remember being bullied at some point it's oh, now yeah. becoming much more of a conversation but um, how do you think this will help uh, young people Oh my gosh, this like the campaign. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I think it'll give kids hope, first of all, that there's other women out there who are strong, who have actually been through what they've been through, because none of us are perfect. I think girls are expected to be perfect. It's absolutely ridiculous. I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. And no one actually becomes perfect. And I think that this campaign shows that it's enough to be yourself. And having self-worth and self-esteem and self-confidence that's all about believing you are enough as you are and just to be more of who you are and not try to be anyone else other than yourself there's a great analogy I always think about how you know one girl is awesome it doesn't mean you're any less awesome Mm -hmm. it just means that this girl's awesome and you can be awesome in your own way and we're lifting each other to be ourselves do you think it's going to stop some of the bullies from bullying 
when they hear this message? I feel like it possibly could in the Mm. way that the bullies will maybe be able to recognize within themselves what's going on before they lash out on somebody else. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you you seem to truly believe that it's important for young girls to hear uh, stories and see real life examples of women doing great things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's key to you. Yes, absolutely. Like these storytelling is is so big for us. Like it it, it really influences us. I know there's been movies I've watched with a strong female protagonist Mm -hmm. and it's changed my perspective of what I thought was possible for myself. And I think that with BU Girl, we're changing the story. We're changing the narrative for girls. Hmm, that's excellent. So where can people go to learn more? At uh, www.bugirl.ca. Bugirl.ca. B-U, girl. And now tell us a little bit about the campaign so that in September people can... Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a national campaign, and they're going to be hosting, I think, across like twenty malls with mm-hmm. more guard, and they're going to be holding workshops between September seventeenth and the twenty third, and it's free, and girls can come and participate in workshops. Can they? Do they need to sign up somewhere? I th- believe that it's through the website. All on the okay. website. Okay. Okay. And, that the, sounds and great. the website again is bu girl. girl. Dot C-A. Okay, yeah. Canada, of course. Well, Madison McGregor, a pleasure to meet you, and thank you so much for joining us oh, today. Thank you so much for having me. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's Good to Grow High Interest Savings Account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half calf, half sweet, no foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Passion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. What you are listening to is Working, the brand new single by Canada's own David Bray featuring Lorraine Reed. Welcome both of you to What She Said. Thank you very much. Now, David, you just released your new album, Night Rains, but you actually weren't sure if you would be around to see it released in the first place after being diagnosed with colon cancer in 2016. Now you're cancer-free today. Did that experience give you 
a new perspective on life? Absolutely. Um, it, I'd been working over the last 10 years with a great lineup of people, Garth Hudson of the band, Bob Babbitt, legendary Motown player, uh, Kim Mitchell, Colin Linden, Jeff Healy, and a variety of others. And uh, over the past 10 years, I've, I've recorded enough for three albums. Mm-hmm. You know how it is. You, mm-hmm. you keep uh, editing and re-editing, etc. And when I came – when I was diagnosed with cancer and had the surgery – they uh I, that i determined well now's the time i would think you know it was it was it was a very difficult time i even at one point had to break it to my children that i wasn't going to be around and uh that was a very difficult thing but luckily uh it's gone well i did have uh unfortunately <laughs> it's a little morose but i did have epiglottitis as well and i was in a coma for 9 days so very difficult but it is is prompted me to go forward and release these three, the first of which is Night Rains. All right. Now, so Lorraine, I mean, a whole bunch of musical talent, including yourself. So what was it like working on this record for you? I've been working with David for much longer than a decade. And to be frank, I've done a lot of music. I have an extensive music background. And David probably has some of the best material that I've ever cut. Uh, some of the things I listen back to, I cannot believe he got from me. So this process and being there from the beginning with David's sort of uh, philosophy about music and then helping him to bring that to fruition, it's been a real privilege. Well, we cannot wait to hear you both perform. We just want to remind all of our listeners to follow us on social media at What She Said Talk. Uh, you can download our podcast um, right now, performing Who Do You Turn To? Here are David Bray and Lorraine Reed. Who do you turn to when you run in circles? Your days are a maze. Feels like there's no way out. Who do you turn to? When you're under fire And you're riddled with doubts ah, Where do you go when it's gone? And how do you follow the chase? Do you just pack up and move on? Or take it case by case Who do you turn to When you're running in circles Your days are a maze Feels like there's no way out Who do you turn to When you're under fire And you're riddled with doubt just getting by has gotten the best of me. Oh, somehow I lost sight of all that I was meant to see. Who do you turn to when you're running in circles? Your day. Are a maze, feels like 
there's no way out. Who do you turn to when you're under fire and you're riddled with doubt? Some gamble on love or lotteries. Count on politicians or God. After all I've seen, I'd have to say, I don't like the odds. Who do you turn to when you're running in circles? Your days are a maze. Feels like there's no way out. Who do you turn to when you're under fire? And you're riddled with doubt. And you're riddled with doubt. Hey, listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer. Such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.